Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pat and John on their best behavior. I'm John. And I'm Pat. And this is the podcast in which two and co- Oh, fuck, I fucked it up. No, go. Okay, go. all right. Don't it, fix. This is the podcast go. in which two college friends berate each other and bond over the films and music they love, from Paddington to pop punk to Paul Thomas Anderson. What do you think, Pat? Is it is it sticking? We're, I think we're two, so. two weeks into it? Okay. I think okay, so. Great. Okay, all right. I'm not going to come up with anything better, so just you have That's to. That's true. And I'm really know? glad that I chose, like, for the alliteration, like, I chose something with an, a lot of, like, nice plosives and everything. A little really what? Good. <laughs> some, some plosives, the stuff that, like, comes up when you're... It's the stuff that makes, like, the, the puffy sound when you're recording. It's audio engineering stuff. You, would, you wouldn't like it, Pat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> John, do really you know I weeds. learned a word last week? Oh, what is it? Didactic. Oh. Uh, how is it used, and, and what well, does it mean? We had the... Uh... Remember how I did the exercise where I talked to my future self about the talk back yes, for my short yes, film? Yes, yes, Well, someone asked a question using the word didactic. Mm-hmm. And I had to ask my producer what that word meant. And I love the vulnerability that you exhibited by yeah. admitting what you didn't know in the moment and rectifying that. Oh, yeah. and by the way, rectifying means to fix yeah. something. <laughs> so that's um, two for one. So what does it mean? What's your new word? What does it mean? It means like on the nose. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do you like, like how overly... I have to use my face and use hand yeah. signals <laughs> yeah. to explain for, the, for this audio, this audio component? Um, well, I'm very proud of you, Pat. Uh, you're the we we did tease it on last week's episode, um, and I thought you you were very poised. Thank uh, you. You were very articulate. Thank um, you. And you spoke your truth. And honestly, what more? What more could you want? Thank you. I I do want to say I'm very proud. I think I'm the first person at this uh, online film festival to cite Lars von Trier's Melancholia as <laughs> sure. a cinematic uh, reference point. So I'm really right. proud of that. Yeah. Oh, and I think you should leave. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Truly the two, yeah, the two poles of, uh, of contemporary filmmaking. <laughs> um, speaking of things that were mentioned last week, um, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to introduce our guest just yet, but I'm going to at least acknowledge that we have a guest and in order to give her permission to, um, to answer the following question that I'm going to ask as a way in to um, following through on something we talked about on last week's episode to give you an update of a really important development in the Pat and John on their best behavior universe. Um, to our guest, have you ever made a promise that you couldn't keep? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you don't have to say what it is, but just have you ever? Like, probably. Okay, okay. Okay. Great. Well, um, Pat has made a promise, at least on record, has made a promise that he that he couldn't keep. Um, but at least he couldn't keep at the, the date that he was said he was going to to keep it. But that promise has been fulfilled as of uh, as of the recording of this podcast. And Pat, do you want to tell uh, our guest and our uh, listeners what this development is as if they don't already know most likely the second Pat and John advertisement filmed IP it is mm-hmm. filmed IP yeah totally is out yeah on Instagram mm-hmm. you will watch it because it's on John's Instagram my Instagram and the podcast Instagram yes yeah. So you're, you're you've probably seen it and scrolled past it very quickly, but here we are <laughs> to remind you of it again. Um, I'm sorry, I'm 14 days late. I missed the July 4th deadline, but 
thank you to everyone who has DM'd me, commented, said that they really, really enjoy it. Um, and we hope that if you haven't seen it, please watch it. Yeah. Yeah. You can find it on uh, the, the podcast Instagram at Pat and John on their best behavior. And uh, give it As a even give our it a worst detractors say, <laughs> at least they're self-aware. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The haters and the losers, uh, to quote uh, <laughs> Donald Trump's September 11th tweet uh, from 2013. Yeah, really another seminal text. Um, well, with that being said, um, without further ado, let's get to our guest. She is a film writer from Film School Rejects. Um, please welcome to the podcast, Meg Shields. Hi, Meg. Howdy. I'm here. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. From, uh, from You said you were in Brit- British Columbia? Yeah, I'm in the Gulf Islands of BC, uh, and as I said before we started recording, that's where they shot uh, the Nick Cage Wicker Man. So if mm. you want a picture where I am, wow, that's it. A, does it does it do a really nice job of capturing it? Actually, oh, no. yes. <laughs> I watched that movie, and wow. I feel so like every, I'm home. <laughs> everything that happens in Wicker Man and Wildfires. Yes, yes, exactly. That's that's what that movie was lacking. Um, well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. We'll just dive right into uh, to the topic. So, just a little wait. Backstory. I have a question. Oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Next year, when John and I go on our North American tour, which where should we stop in BC? In BC, yeah. Uh, well, assuming that it's not burned to a cinder by that point, <laughs> it's Even okay. If it has, we'll yeah, still yeah, figure yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, I have, I'm of the opinion that the most beautiful stretch of the highway that goes across Canada is between Calgary and Vancouver. So honestly, if you're, if you're doing anything in Alberta or BC and you're traveling by car, that stretch of highway is like pretty fantastic. You get mm. to go through the Rockies, there's a desert, there's a rainforest. It's like the whole shebang. Wow. Yeah. All the uh, all the biomes, is that what those are? Yes. Well, there, there's to, a theory. Yeah. I'm I hope I'm completely talking out of my ass, but I remember No, please, please, that... please. That's what this podcast is. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, I remember hearing a theory that BC was originally an archipelago and that uh, the tectonic plate, the Juan de Fuca that's like going to murder all of us, but the big one one day is going to mm-hmm. it, it squished all the islands into one landmass, which is why there's so many different biomes in British Columbia. Ah. Which is why if you like drive four hours, you go from tropical rainforest to like what I imagine Texas looks like. Right, right, right. Um, but based on the upbringing that I received uh, growing up, I happen to believe that it was Noah's flood that caused that. But you, you know, and Don they're Bluth different. Are gonna be best <laughs> yeah, different, different schools of thought. Yeah, different schools of thought on that. Um, but that's truly a, a different podcast for another day. Um, but uh, we invited Meg on the podcast to talk about the films of, as she mentioned uh, just a second ago, Don Bluth. So I encountered Meg's um, essay, essay article. How would you, how would you, how would you characterize it? Her piece. Uh, her piece. piece. Let's say yeah. piece. Her piece uh, <laughs> entitled uh, "The Melancholy of Don Bluth," and. For those of you who don't know, um, and Meg, you can speak to this um, as well, but uh, Don Bluth is a very famous animator from the 80s. If you don't know the name, you know many of the characters that he has created, um, and we're going to talk about a handful of them um, on on today's episode, um, specifically The Secret of Nim, An American Tale, and The Land Before Time, but he also made um, All Dogs Go to Heaven, 
Uh, what else? And then we don't um, need to talk about the rest of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Although uh, what most people probably know from him is Anastasia. That's probably what a lot of our listeners would probably boo. know. Yeah, I know. That's my I hot know. take sold... is boo Anastasia. Yeah, we can fight he sold later. out for it. But that's that's what at least like a lot of people, um, at know. least from like our our generation probably know know yes. him know him yes, from. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so you wrote a really great essay in which you kind of talk about just his his films and just like the ideas in his films and sort of what makes him such like an audit him and his movies such like an oddity uh just in terms of like the history of animation or that's kind of what you talk about to some degree yeah like um without getting too into it um there was a really like crunchy period of animation history in the 80s it was the middle of what has retroactively been called the disney dark ages because i Mm. think Walt disney died in the late 60s i can't remember the exact date And, like, from then till the quote-unquote renaissance, uh, the studio was in both, like, a financially funny state, but also didn't really have the same level of creative direction. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of the little period of time where you get, like, really weird shit, like Fox and the Hound, which, again, (laughs) we love Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Very weird Disney movie. Yes, it Um, is. And, like, Black Cauldron, like, just weird stuff, weird stuff. It was, like, their, their little mopey teenage phase. And mm-hmm. Don Blues. John is still um, going through that. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, are we all? <laughs> but, yeah, truly. Um, but yeah, so it, it's this interesting kind of like exception to most of contemporary animation history, where a different studio uh, eclipsed Disney for a certain period of time. And Don Bluth, uh, who partnered frequently with Amblin, uh, which is Steven Spielberg's animation company, um, kind of became you know, more reputable and mainstream for Disney for like a little sliver of time there. Mm -hmm. And if you were a kid of a certain age, um, you had as much blues in your life as Disney for a certain period of time. And when you're a kid, you're just like a little ball of Play-Doh and whatever media (laughs) hits you leaves like tiny little thumbprints. So a lot of uh, people in our age bracket have really strong emotional connections to Don Bluth's films. And it helps that Don Bluth for in his early career mostly we we do not need to talk about the post all dogs <laughs> go to heaven although i right. like thumbelina but that's the, it's oh reckon, thumbelina yeah, yeah i recognize yeah. that that's not that's not his best work but that's okay um right. but yeah for his early films the ones you mentioned earlier he forwards a certain type of openness and acceptance of sadness darkness melancholy hmm. death grief that disney just like doesn't really want to touch <laughs> like it's a little right. icky um, and it's very interesting to look back on those films as an adult and to kind of articulate and pinpoint why Bluth felt so much different when you were a kid watching those movies than Disney did. Because I do think kids are, you know, intelligent, and I think Don Bluth yeah. also thinks that kids are intelligent, and that retroactively, y- you know as a kid that Bluth films felt different tonally than Disney stuff. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, that that piece was just like trying to put into words something I'd felt for a very long time, which was why yeah. do these why do Don Bluth films feel so different from Disney movies? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason is because they're sad. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's and that's what made I, that's what I love so much about your piece, and that's why I like this. I like it was one of those pieces that I just like sent to one of my friends and saved for myself because like it just put into words like something that I knew about these movies and like I had felt growing up. And, like, people do, people sometimes will say, like, oh, Land Before Time, An American Tale, like, those movies are so, like, depressing. And, like, there is something to that, but I, I like the fact that you cast it in more of the light of it than being melancholy. And there's, like, a sort of, like, quiet sadness to those movies that, yeah, that I just think is, like, 
the way you describe it just gives it a little more heft than just saying like that they're super dark or like wow the 80s and 90s were like super fucked up like all the stuff that we were watching like yeah. was super scary <laughs> and all that kind of stuff which there's some truth to that but i like sure. that you kind of give a little more yeah there's a little more credence to to your yeah you could like easily fill like a top 10 list of like i can't believe that we let children watch that of like yeah. John Blues movies <laughs> yeah um but i do but like you said i do think it's it's deeper than that and i think it's deeper with a purpose Don Blues is very explicit about um earning kind of the lighter moments that that you know reunions and happy endings are more impactful and meaningful if they're worked for and if they're coming from a lower place and unlike disney that will be like pretty on the level and then you know we'll dip down for half a second and then zip back up again most on blues films the sadness is like (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) like I, i always think about how you know there's like whatever the death of Mufasa and the Lion King or Bambi's mom those death scenes are like maybe two minutes long the land before time yeah. is like an entire feature length film about grief right <laughs> for kids right <laughs> right and in, and in Bambi you don't even see it you just hear it yeah whereas Don Bluth is like I'm gonna show you a backlit shadow of a beloved <laughs> right. character's mom being ripped to shreds so right enjoy. Yeah. yeah yeah so so you you mentioned that for like pretty much everyone in our generation like these movies were in some ways formative to like our childhood or something like that however there are exceptions to every single rule (laughs) (laughs) and one of the exceptions to this rule is um my co-host who i believe is a complete and utter don bluth uh novice is that the neophyte no i had seen land before time oh you had seen land before time yeah oh okay as a child no, as a 22-year-old drunk in my college <laughs> dorm. Yes, as a child. Look, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with uh, with if a bunch of a bunch of dudes want to get in their feelings uh, in 2016 to uh, to Don Bluth movies. Well, so okay, so then what was so? Let's talk about our respective experiences with Don Bluth movies and sort of when we were exposed to them and our relationship to them, like in our childhoods, and then maybe talk about the the present. So we'll start with you, Pat. Do you remember the first time you saw Land Before Time? Or how much it was on. No, you know, I talked to my mom about this the other day. I, I really, I can't, I can't place it at all. It was, de- it was not on cable. It was definitely on VHS. And I want to say it was like pre-kindergarten, pre-K. Mm, gotcha. As I guess it's referred to now, pre-K. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you guys know that I was held back in preschool? <laughs> how? Um. <laughs> Literally how? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. Uh, well, I guess I, I knew that That's you were old for our <laughs> our you. year, but I, I never really thought about I never thought about why you're old for our year. So it's because you were held back. They just said I wasn't ready for kindergarten. Mm. So <laughs> they didn't they didn't give reasons. Well, I, I don't know if I'm privy to those reasons. Uh, okay, um, gotcha. That's kind of the answer that I... So, by gl- by which by that, you mean there was, like, a 20-page report of all the reasons why. <laughs> yeah, well, you started you talking to the other kids about Lars von Trier's melancholia. And yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need to nip this in the bud. And they yeah. weren't able to, and they, they said, we give up. He's, yeah, exactly. Let's just leash him, <laughs> leash him out into the world. Yeah. Um, they said the peanut allergy is okay, but like, we don't want to talk about David Cronenberg <laughs> all the time, right, Patrick. Right. Um, <laughs> do you remember liking the movie? Like it was the kind of movie like that you oh, watched yeah. a lot. Okay. Oh, yeah. I liked how Connecticut, Connecticut was. I'm sure that's the word you used at the time too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, <laughs> 
By the way, Pat, oh, kinetic is not that's not, not that's not a state in New England. That's like a word that applies to like, you know, energy and stuff Very like fun. that. No, I know, I know, I know. Oh, okay. I know. And right. I've been I just to want to make state. sure. It's awful. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's true. No, that's true. Um, uh, I really liked this movie, The Land Before Time. Mm-hmm. But I forgot about it once I saw Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Sure. Funny sure. that Steven Spielberg is involved in both of those projects. Pulling mm. the strings. But I'm telling you, after Jurassic Park, I forgot about Land Before Time, and then that's it for Don Bluthy. Sure. You oh, left childhood behind. I do think I saw Anna, child, Childish Things Behind. I, I do think um, I grew up. Sorry, John. Um, right. <laughs> I do think I saw Anastasia in a theater. Mm. But I can't remember. I mean, that speaks volumes of Anastasia's. Nah. Yeah, yeah. You mean <laughs> the, the movie where they where they uh, attribute the uh, Russian Revolution to a bunch of peasants being infiltrated by evil spirits? That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Which Pat agrees with to this day. That I mean, is yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been to um, Russia. They told me that there. <laughs> Um, so that so that was it. That was yeah. Well, because we have an entire episode in which we talk about Pat's relationship to yeah. Should the we animation. tell her? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Why don't you give us a little refresher on your experience with? I hate animation. animation. I just yeah. can't do Ma- it. Meg Meg just had the just for the visual component. Meg had the the correct response, which is just a frown and just kind of like a nod of I can't all right, do it. All right. There's just there's just a big cognitive dissonance in my in my dome piece. It's just really hard for me. It's just super hard for me. Fair enough. I mean, like, I think a lot about how uh, it's hard to make movie musicals because on stage musicals require a certain level of suspension of disbelief. And then Mm. animated films that also happen to be musicals are just like one step further where it's like you just really need to just like leave it all behind and be like, sure. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and leaving Take it all me away, behind Donnie. is not <laughs> is not Patrick Cressupstani's forte. He's got he's gonna bring some of it along. That's just that's, that's okay. the that's that's. But the, you know what I do like promise. about this guy? I don't know if maybe I'm jumping the gun here. <sighs> what? <laughs> Just the sigh. Just the sigh. I mean, we all know it at this point, but Meg isn't, you know, she's it's, she's experiencing all this for the first time. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, There's the a sigh. really dramatic sigh as I collect <laughs> no, no, my no, thoughts it's good. It's and, and, good. Gets, and gets stillness. I'm a big fan of um, auteurs, auteur mm-hmm. theory. And I think most of my film education has been about non-animators let's just say Mm -hmm. so what i like about your essay and what i like about some of the supplementary reading i've done is that he's an auteur i totally agree and he's really also operating opposed to the studio system until anastasia (laughs) until anastasia and we all gotta grow up at some point i suppose what's the movie that he did for united artists was that secret of nim or they all for united artists oh that's a good question i i believe anastasia was for united artists i thought it was for fox but i could be wrong i think i think anastasia's for oh sorry all All dogs go to heaven was for united artists i know that i know that much because i watched the i watched the trailer just the other day and i I remember the logo secret of nim was for united artists i believe um well i'm not gonna look all of it up because um 
Who cares? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I, I United Artists is also like the home for some of the riskier films, sure, of the nineteen seventies and nineteen sixties, and I, I, um, I appreciate that now. I appreciate that. Maybe my thing with animation is that I just don't know enough. It's it possible. Be. Like I. I... I totally think that's a valid reason for not engaging with it. Like, I don't know the person behind the illustration. Right, right. Or, like, what this director or what this studio, like, represents, like, at certain... Like, Mm. what Meg was talking about, like, with, like, the Disney Dark Ages. Like, if you don't know about that, like, you just, like, hear Disney and you just think of people who, like, go to Disneyland, um, you know, every other weekend. Propose to each other. Right, (laughs) right. Um which, you know, there's validity to, to that. Everyone's got to gotta like something. But there is, like, a rich... And I guess people who do that as well probably do, like, like the, the rich history of Disney. It's not just like, oh, like, I like princes and princesses and talky animals sure. and stuff like that. So there probably is something to be said for just, you know, there is, like, a rich history of animation, just like there's a rich history of, like, live-action film as well. Um, But, yeah, because, like, Don Bluth, like, he sort of, like, was in a lot of ways going yeah you were right like going against like the studio system and like there's a lot of different like accounts of this and like the a lot of different like accounts of like or varying degrees of opinion the extent to which like he was uh like a i don't know a positive figure in like the animation world versus like a negative and sort of like towering figure but like Mm -hmm. apparently he was disenchanted with like a lot of with like the direction that disney was going in like after walt disney's death and like just kind of like thought that it needed to go back to like its early days in terms of like the dramatic heft that it had in the animation style. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you can speak to that more, Meg, not to put, not to put you on the spot. No, 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 it's okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, my understanding of it is, um, Pat, you're bringing up United Artists makes sense. Cause I think, I think there's a lot of ways in which Bluth is kind of, you know, an artist who wants to put the art back into the art. And I think he was like me. The, yeah. Like, <laughs> like the best of us right and um and what i find so fascinating is that for all of his kind of like idealism and uh ways he was pushing against um you know the big company he left behind this man was a mormon like he was like he's still pretty straight laced and so and it's really fascinating to see those two poles operate in his films where he clearly it's not as if these are melancholic amoral films or nihilistic films there's always there's always um there's always hope no matter how dark things get but mm. it's not prevailing optimism or smooth corners and i like the kind of holistic view of the world he presents and the fact that he's presenting it to children right um just because i think people people don't uh understandably you don't want to upset your child but i think <laughs> treating children and as having a certain level of emotional intelligence kids know when they're being you know treated well and and the other thing is kids don't fully understand everything they're seeing but they do at the same time yeah and they might not have the words for it but i think exposing them to you know adult ideas like uh you know the heart shattering moments in the land before time where it's like your mom isn't coming back actually right (laughs) right and that like you're gonna be sad forever and you're just gonna have to figure that out (laughs) like yeah like that's a really there are adults that haven't quite understood that yet understand Mm. who haven't wrapped their head around that yet so it's um i really admire the early part of his career where he was trying to do what i think early dreamworks tried to do like when when 
Katzenberg broke off with Geffen and Spielberg to make uh, oh of Quibi, Mr. Quibi, Mr. Quibi himself. <laughs> Mr. Quibi. <laughs> um, uh, like they're, they 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 had this very idealistic goal where they're like, we're gonna make art, we're gonna like make animation great again, like we're gonna take risks, baby, and uh, <laughs> and I actually think Don Blue's hit rate for that is a lot higher than theirs. And that a lot of that has to do of just when they were trying to do that. Like DreamWorks had the unfortunate, you know, situation of trying to do that when cell animation in two D was like truly not profitable anymore. <laughs> right. Um, right. Whereas like Don Bluth was in the sweet spot where it was right before the decline. Yeah. Um, not that he didn't experience that in the latter half of his career. Right. Was that movie um, Titan Titan A E or something Titan like e. that? Oh, which just yeah. won the Palm Dor at Con, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's not my joke, by the way. That's my my friend Ben's uh, joke, but I but I can't stop saying it because no, so steal funny. it. Yeah, I, I just did. <laughs> but, no credit. Erase uh, no the credit, John. <laughs> yeah, I'll edit it. Don't worry. Yeah, can Don't you cut worry. that out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll like superimpose. Like this tweet was created by Meg Shields. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I like. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know. Don Bluth is so fascinating, and like, because he's such a like mormon grandpa but can i then, say yeah. something but then, i don't yeah. i don't mean to sound yeah, rude it. i don't mean to sound rude go for it john are you clutching yeah the this table never right yeah now? this never this never ends well but go ahead he i don't mean to the i don't mean this i do mean this he <laughs> looks a little weird yeah he's a mormon grandpa yeah he, i <laughs> he's a bobble-headed mormon grandpa it's fine yeah. Would your posture be great if you did 2D animation? I think not. You'd be a little, yeah, yeah. You'd be a little hunchback too. Yeah, that's true. Bending over and drawing all those, all those, yeah. all those shadows, yeah. um, all those whiskers. Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I, I think that I don't say it, but I think that every single time that I that I look up pictures of Don Bluth. Not that I do that very, very often, but you know, it comes up every now and then. Um, yeah. He's cool. He's a cool. He has a theater group which we should audition for, John. <laughs> That's what this podcast has been, actually. That's what all all almost audition. sixty episodes. Yeah, we'll just we'll just send those over to him. Um, Meg, wh- when was the first time that you engaged with a Don Bluth film, and do you remember your your relationship to it? I could have done work? the math on this, but I didn't. But um, back in the day, Canadian McDonald's gave away VHS tapes with Happy Meals, mm. and. I like, I know. And I, uh, everything is gave, better up there. Everything's better. <laughs> they also gave full size backpacks out when the Sydney Olympics happened in 2000, but it's not the my point. God. Like, um, <laughs> my family, like, we never went out for fast food. We would only do it if we were, like, on a really long highway trip. Mm-hmm. And I guess at some point, my mom picked up a Land Before Time VHS tape. And, like, there are horse girls and there are dinosaur girls. There's a dinosaur <laughs> girl. Love dinosaurs. Sure. And, uh, yeah, latched onto it and never let go. And I, Lamp for Time was my main, my main catch point. And then vaguely dabbled in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Hmm. And I didn't actually see American Tale first. I saw Five Will Goes West first. Same. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then was like, there's another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then Secret of Nim was also, like, on rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and because like, I wasn't really, like, we weren't really a TV house. My, both my parents are like really big movie buffs. So it was a lot mm-hmm. of VHS tapes and, um, that land before time tape got so much play. Like I, <laughs> like I, I tried to find it the other day and like, I just remember the last time I saw it, like 
the case is soft. Like it, there's no rigidity to it, just because some right. Oh, it was a cardboard child case. Has just a cardboard like, case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a clamshell. Um, gotcha. But yeah, so I don't know. It was just like you know how when you're a kid and you're like, those are my five movies. Like that. Yeah. Was, mm. Like one of mine was Land Before. T- like I watched Land Before Time because it's an hour. A dear right. listener, if you have not seen Land Before Time, it's <laughs> yeah, slaps. Pat's, and it's an, yeah, and Pat's it's an sweet hour. spot. <laughs> um, uh, Pat is fist bumping to the heavens right now. Yeah, well, why wouldn't you? Um, yeah. Like, it's kind of a movie you can bounce a penny off of. Like, I do think Land Before Time just, like, rips. And I can, like, I do. I'm sorry, what does that mean? Like, you it's know like when you've got... got a taut bed sheet and you can bounce a penny off it? Yeah. Like, like, it has well, no Pat, folds. Pat, as, like... as you might understand it, when when, you're, when your core workouts are really going really, really well, <laughs> like, when your abs are where, like, you really oh, want them to okay. be, yeah, you can... Bounce a bounce a penny off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and like taught. Like, yeah, taught. taught. Exactly. Like it, yeah. it, I just think the Lamb Before Time is obviously not a perfect movie, but like pretty damn fucking close. And yeah. and as an adult, every time I return to it, which is pretty frequently because it's an hour, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm always picking up on new things, finding new things funny, identifying with different characters depending on what mood I'm in. Sure. Um, hmm. And like without hesitation, that first ten minute stretch just like hits me like a bus yeah like the first yeah. 10 minutes of the lamb before time is so deviously crafted to like destroy yeah. you yeah, um we're... yeah it's great there's like and it's got dinosaurs baby like i was one of my one of my five movies was uh fantasia like og fantasia like that oh, is my yeah. favorite disney movie like period i love fantasia yeah, that shit rips and the whole dinosaur sequence in that film is just like oh yeah my ideal double bill as a child was like that part of fantasia and then the life before time yeah S- similarly horrifying as well yeah yeah but that's the joy that's the yeah. joy of it all yeah. that's and that's Patrick. the steven that's the steven spielberg uh, amblin joy of just like for kids but like a little terror yeah you know, just a sprinkle yeah. they can handle it yeah. yeah, and they usually can. That's the thing. Most kids. Oh can yeah, deal. they're so resilient. They're like they're way more resilient than every adult like who has ever lived. Yeah. Or they just have terrible memories. Which either way. Yes. Sounds great. A win-win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about the dinosaurs and Tree of Life? Yeah, they're fine. They're <laughs> fine. I'm like, if, if it's a dinosaur, I'm happy. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. How do you feel about the dinosaurs and Tree of Life, Pat? <laughs> I feel like you have thoughts about <laughs> the better Tree of question. Life Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. Uh, <laughs> like, as in, like, they don't look good or you don't think they should be in there? Well, I... It's so funny. No, I'm not going to get into this. Because <laughs> you knew I was going to edit it out anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you're going to edit this out, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up Disney's dinosaur, which is the one dinosaur oh. movie that can fuck itself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Oh, dinosaur! <laughs> Came Disney's out in like, like 1999, maybe. Yeah, Disney's like yeah. really fucking expensive, fully CG dinosaur movie that is like yeah. trying to capitalize off other uh, better dinosaur stuff from the past. It's no, no yeah, bueno. yeah, a movie that many people either haven't seen or, if they have seen it, tend to forget unless they're talking about Disney. You know, I, dinosaur I never movies. forgive and I never forget. So unfortunately, I'm cursed with the knowledge right. of dinosaurs' yeah. existence. Yeah, that's why you're a film writer. That's why you <laughs> that's signed right. up for it. Sign up for so it. I can so be can, like, oh, dear, you, whoops, I'm yeah. bringing up dinosaurs. So you can grind all of your axes on the internet, which is what that's the right. internet is for at the end of the day. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, I, I think that my I think my experience with Don Bluth was also. Land, the land before time um i don't think we owned a copy I, I, there was like a family from our church that like had it and i think we would borrow it from them um and i remember borrowing it like fairly frequently or maybe just watching it at their house um so yeah so we watched that and 
I make this is it's one of the great things about this podcast is meeting people who have similar experiences to me. And I was also someone who was exposed to Fievel through Fievel Goes West. And like at the time, like I watched an American tale and thought it was like way, way worse and was like, I don't want to watch an American tale. I want to watch the one with cowboys. Um, yeah. But now I obviously realize I actually watched an Amer- watch Fievel Goes West immediately after watching an American tale uh, yesterday. And uh, it's not it's not quite as good a movie. Um, no. But I can see why, like, seven-year-old John LeMay was more into the cowboys and than, you know, the I mean, allegory about Don the... I mean, it's with cowboy boots. Right. <laughs> yes, and Jimmy That's Stewart. Jimmy Stewart's last movie before he died. I mean... Really? His... Yeah, yeah, his last appearance in a film was He's in Five right? Goes West. Yes. So it's like w- Jimmy Wiley Stewart's Burp. dog. Was a dog. Yeah, he, he was, was a dog. dog. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, he was, plays a character named Wiley Burp. Okay, which is but, a dog that hiccups a lot. That's true, but the best name in a Don Bluth movie for sure is uh is it Warranty Cats? I can't it's the name of the the villain secret cat in uh, oh. American Tale. I have to look this up because I yeah. never noted the, the pun. The before. puns are great. Yeah. Yeah. There's another pun in an American Tale that I'll I'll get to later, but yeah, there's Warranty another Warranty Rat because he, he's like he like yeah. he's the the muscle that protects the the cat community or the rat community right and he's called warranty rat yeah warranty yeah. rat and then the the I villain the, <laughs> the villainous cat in five goes west is named cat r wall yeah how can as you in cat that? Wall. yeah it's great we love it yeah yeah um but yeah so the, anyway so i saw i saw Tricer- yeah yeah it's true um, yeah, many people think that her name is Sarah, but no, no, it's very important. It's it's Sarah. You have to really understand the distinction. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I so I watch those, and honestly, so we we we'll, maybe we'll we'll talk about that next because it's the first movie that at least chronologically it's the first movie of the three that we want to talk about. But I I did not see Secret of Nim growing up at all. In fact, the first time I watched it was for this episode. I, I had heard about it I can't quite wait a bit, to hear but what I. You think. But I, I had never, yeah, I had never seen it before. Um, so yeah, so I guess we'll just launch into the movies, uh, the movies themselves. Um, yeah, wow, this was like, it was so interesting because it came quite, a, not quite a bit, but like a, a decent amount, like before an American Tale. I think it was like five, five or so years before. So it was like his first. It was like his takes first, a lot like, of time to, to make. These movies, yes, to yes, fair. that it does. <laughs> um, and it was just interesting to sort of see like the ways in which it was very different from like all of the other ones. And you can kind of understand to some degree, like why it was something of like a box office. I don't know if it was a total bomb, but like it didn't do particularly well at the box office. Um, Dude, my man had and... bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he bombs. did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he loved him. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting to see like, yeah, the early, sort of yeah i don't know manifestations of like his aesthetic and the stuff he would go on to do later on in the movies but the ways in which he kind of like maybe like roughed the or sharpened the edges sanded off the edges like maybe not for like the sake of artistry but just to make it a little more palatable because like secret of nim is like heavy it's also very heady in a lot of ways Mm. like it's 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 pretty wild. I was I was I did not know what I was signing up for, but I I mean I liked it a lot. I thought it was really I thought the animation was beautiful. I thought name another like, kids movie where the mom is the hero and like does yeah. what Mr. Frisbee does. <laughs> I was so like, surprised by that. I this is I another thought that... like, great reason to show your kids Don Bluth. Like literally every every early Don Bluth movie is like pretty pro parent. 
Like, yeah. they're they're not dead. Most of the time, other than Lamp for Time, they're not dead. Like, they get to exist and, like, do shit. Yeah. And, like, pro- yeah. and like love protecting their children. It's the best. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I just assumed that the... I knew that there was, like, a mouse protagonist in The Secret of Nim, but I just assumed that it was a male mouse for obvious reasons. But, yeah, it's, like, a grieving widow who's, like, trying to ensure that her children survive like the humans like reaping mowing season that will destroy their house and them um and i mean and that's like kind of what the movie is about but there's so many other other layers but you didn't talk about the secret society of science rats (laughs) right yes yeah yeah nim n-i-m-h which stands for the national institute of mental health and it turns out that institute was performing experiments on rats which made them like super not superhuman but super rodent intelligent yeah super intelligent yeah and then they make like a giger-esque underground society under a rose bush because yeah what else (laughs) are you gonna do yeah yeah truly um yeah i really enjoyed it but yeah i i I really had a moment where i was like like perfect yeah and terrifying too yeah, it's like just the way like, like their the eyes are just like <laughs> yeah, glowing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're very the very terrifying. And like the Nicodemus, I think, like the main like head rats, like the way his like hands are all gnarled and like warty. Um yeah, again, like I think it's a great movie, but I can also understand why like maybe parents were like we should skip this one and go see the fox and the hound instead or whatever else was playing. Cowards, I say. Yeah, they're cowards, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Truly couldn't be me. Um but yeah, what were what were our other experiences re- rewatching it for the sake of for the sake of the pod? Yeah, I mean, it, it, one of my favorite kind of like if we want to think about Bluth as an auteur, I like love how a lot of the finales of his early work crescendo with like just light effects, <laughs> like yeah. like whether yeah. it's like Fievel reuniting with his family or like the re- uh, revelation of them finally getting to the Great Valley or Brisby um, using the amulet to like levitate her house. Um, like it's just one of the most kind of um remarkable visual um touchstones of Bluth's filmography is that kind of spectacular glittering light and he just like right. withholds it until yeah. these finale moments and it's always mm. so impactful. And I don't think it's more powerful than it is in The Secret of Nim. Like yeah. it's 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 so incredible. I I love it. Yeah. yeah. Secret of Nim slaps. Yeah. there's <laughs> like also like a very sort of like naturalistic i don't know bent towards like in the in the sense of like the voice acting as well like i was just very struck by like it moves very quickly the dialogue moves very quickly just That's in really like the way point. that they act you know what i have to say about the the dialogue please all of the screams are very visceral yeah like yeah. the screams Another, are really yes. upsetting yeah there's so many like genuine children screams in blue especially i'm i'm thinking about sarah's screams in yeah, the land Bible before scream. time yeah 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 i mean and, it's like really uncomfortable yeah yeah but that's the point like i think yeah. there's no like the, the blutes don't doesn't pull punches like he puts his child characters in real peril and you can tell <laughs> because the children are screaming yeah. for their lives right um, yeah yeah, and it's it's immediate stakes because yeah. child in peril. <laughs> like, what was been... he brandishing in the in the faces of those poor child actors in order to make them? Man, I think, I think kids a... just John, do don't that. bring this up. It was <laughs> yeah, the eighties. Right. We yeah, can't bring right. like yeah. kid act, kid actors in the eighties up. Good point. Like... Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Oof. I mean, I, I recently rewatched um, 
uh, criminally underrated Disney's Robin Hood, which came out in oh. the late seventies, I want to say, yes. and that that film was made like really on a budget. It's super short, very economical, and mm-hmm. uh, they the recycled voice a acting, ton of the animation from yeah, other movies. They yeah. had to do it, and um, yeah. uh, the voice acting in that film is also extremely naturalistic mm. and like easy breezy. And I feel like I feel like a part of that has to do with just the cadence of you know, how cinema looked and felt in the 70s and 80s, yeah, bleeding into totally. the 90s. But yeah, I was also, I feel like if you were a Bluth kid, you were also a Watership Down kid. Like, I think that Venn diagram yes. is a circle. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you've seen The Plague Dogs, <laughs> but uh, okay. <laughs> so it's no. currently, it's, you might have to cut this, but um, okay. <laughs> uh, it's it's currently stream just because I, I feel weird advocating for this film because it's like sure. arguably one of the most devastating animated films ever made. Sure. Um, but it's by, it's it's based off a book by the same guy that wrote Watership Down and directed by the same guy who directed Watership Down. It's currently okay. streaming on Criterion in their art house animation block. And uh, it is like if Watership Down and Secret of Nim had a baby. Like it's about oh boy. animal testing reckoning with loss and grief and death like it's it's the real deal yeah um but yeah i feel like if if you were a kid who had the kind of parent who was like you know <laughs> this secret is of him yeah. for children you probably also watched watership down yeah um, totally. and i feel like i'm bringing that up specific i feel like i am bringing that up because uh i feel like the voice acting has a very similar situation where it yeah. feels very straightforward and uncartoony whereas yes. you get mm. to american tale and you've got dom deluise being <laughs> dom deluise yeah. oh my god um, yeah he sure but, is yeah and what's so striking about both land before time and secret of nim despite being talking animals whatever is is it just feels really real and it i feel like especially the child performances in land before time you really feel like this is just a group of kids mm. um which is why i keep finding it so effective like those performances ring really true and feel very believable. So even though it's, you know, an old animated movie about talking dinosaurs, it just <laughs> does the yeah, trick. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Also, to go back to Secret Nim for just a second, they swear in it. Sure they do. say, damn. I I was very taken aback by that. I went, I went back there's to my Christian blood, upbringing. Where I was like, how bones, could they? They're swearing. Yeah. yeah. Got it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Not very truly. Mormon-like. No, same with same with uh, Land Before Time and the millions of years ago ago stuff. Which yeah, but then know. they find the promised land. Yes, and they, find, they do. And there's an afterlife. There's a dino right. afterlife. Is that supposed to be Utah? It's supposed to be Salt Lake. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a Tyrannosaurus Rex, right? <laughs> so we know it's we know it's we we know it's in America, right? So I mean, yeah, the seeds the seeds are all sown are all sown there. Um, yeah, Pat, what was your what was your experience with Secret of Nim? You know, there's the there's part in the beginning where the bird is caught on the string. Mm-hmm. What is the who is the what is the bird called? What's I think that? it has I a very silly name. If I yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's voiced by Dom DeLuise. At it's Dom DeLuise playing. So it's Dom not DeLuise. his. It's not his fault that he's silly because yes, <laughs> because Dom DeLuise. Yeah, people always talk about like Robin Williams. They're like, oh yeah, like you know, just like a comic actor. Jeremy, who just, the girl's like, name's Jeremy. Jeremy. I found that okay. to be. I also found that to be very arresting. I was like, so, why is he called Jeremy? <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. <laughs> it's perfect. You're right. You're right. I mean, it's based off a book. It's fine. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> so the bird is caught on the string. And he can't escape. Pat's like, and I feel like that sometimes. And I was crying. (laughs) I was weeping. Wow. Watching him try to get out. 
And then there's that part where like, he's like, Oh, the, you know, he's saying, Oh, the cat is coming, but it's really a rabbit. But then it really is a cat. Right. And then he's like, he's scared, but then it like, it morphs into laughter. I know I tend to talk in hyperbole on this podcast. (laughs) That was one of the most affecting things I've ever seen. Wow. We got him, boys. It was one of the most (laughs) affecting, affecting things I have ever seen. Don Bluth, one, the Walt Disney Company, zero. Zero, baby. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Huge W. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. No, I was was glad that I watched it. Don Delaware's is such, like... Yeah, unclockable. Like yeah. even unclockable. even at his lowest, yeah. it's Tom Delawise, baby. And like, he's he just... in all of them. He's he's in, and then maybe not all of them, but the oh, apparently majority of Don Bluth movies. He, he really just has such an empathy them. commanding voice. Like yeah. you just like you're so drawn into Dom Delawise's like the warmth and the yeah. folds of like how he speaks that it's and 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 Don Bluth knows it. Yes. So he puts yeah. him in peril. Yes. Yeah. It's true. Sick man. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 Two two really successful uh, successful ends apparently. That's great to hear though, Pat. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard no, hell that's... yeah for crying. That's yeah. what we want. Yeah, I was I was I'm surprised to hear that, but I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, but uh, another movie that features uh, Dom DeLuise. Because you know uh, what, guys? Is... What? <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I've got a string attached to my foot. Sure, I can't <laughs> sure. sure, sure, sure. And sometimes yeah. I'm talking to people, and it's a joke. And then it descends into tears. Yeah. And then it <laughs> descends back into laughter. You're the sad clown. You're Who makes me clown. laugh? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Who's clowning the clown or something like that? Um, but uh, Psych. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This movie sucked. Yeah. Um, let's talk about an American Tale. You know, just like your casual children's movie that is about. The Holocaust, essentially. Yeah, it's Kozaks for kids. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I'll just say that rewatching this, I I knew like, obviously growing up, I didn't know that it was about that at all. Oh, you didn't? Um, yeah, it wasn't Get talked about it. in our okay. in our Christian in our Christian <laughs> evangelical Christian household. Um, there were other persecutions that we were more concerned with at the time. Sure. Um. So yeah. So I rewatch. I so I knew that going into it, but just rewatching it, just like just looking for all of those all of those things like i knew like the i knew going into it that there would be like the references to like oh things are so bad with all of the cats here in russia but there are no cats in america so we need to go to america and like i knew all that but like the scene where they're going through like um like the mouse immigration system at ellis island and the character tanya uh, after her name is changed she says uh papa why did you change my name to tilly when that happened, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like this movie really <laughs> explores uh, just every facet of it. It really doesn't leave anything to the imagination. Have you guys seen the, uh, I believe, Netflix original movie, His House? No. So I can't really say anything without spoiling it. But if you like Haunted House Horror and Don Bluth, I highly recommend double billing His House and American Tale. <laughs> okay. Okay. Is is Don Bluth associated with his house at all no, so, or it just so goes along is, with it his house is about um a couple who are refugees from south sudan who have to cross okay an ocean to try and start a new life in britain and i think as far as like harrowing stories about 
trying to feel at home in a new place that like while being haunted by your old home i feel like that double bill is like not for anyone in particular but it would work (laughs) (laughs) yeah right right right. that's good to know um yeah i was um i remember as a child the 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 sea storm scene Mm. With that the haunted, scared uh, the cat, shit uh, out wave. of me. It scared the shit out of me as <laughs> a child. Wave. It was yeah, that was rough. I like, I just felt it. Like I felt like the the nom like uh, <laughs> the flashbacks <laughs> to being terrified of that as a as a child when I was rewatching it. In the interest of uh, uh, critiquing Don Bluth, uh, mm. I, I these this is my least favorite child performances in his career. Fievel, Fievel like, is. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's hard because I feel like The Land Before Time is such a gauntlet throw that like everything else pales in comparison. For sure. But watching the two back to back is a bit rough. Um, yeah. As an adult, I feel like as a child, I don't know if I'd care all that much, but. Yeah, he's, he's a little, a, a little yeah, grating. A little bit. There's, it's, it's not even, it's just that it's one note. Like yeah. if, uh, which is it is what it is. But if we're if we're in the interest of whatever varying it up, I I have a critique, and it's that the the child acting in American Tale, take it or leave it. Yeah, but you know what that character is better in, probably because he had six years to kind of like grow into it. I think he's better in Five Goes West. <laughs> I would agree. So if you want to experience that voice actor and that performance in a slightly better iteration. Once again, with cowboys. <laughs> and I love doing a great soundtrack. A <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's older than us at this point, so you know, yeah, it's fine. he's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a Philip Glasser, if you're listening, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. Um, but yes, no, but that that is that is true. But still, I mean, hearing him sing somewhere out there, it's got to do something for you. Yes, really I mean, it's, it's a child. You. They're they're yeah. engineered to 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 be cute. So yes, yeah. Good that for them, true. I guess. Yeah. Pat, did you know what you were getting into when you when you launched on American Tale? No. <laughs> hey, Pat, what's your favorite part of American Tale, and why is it uh, French pigeon Christopher Plummer? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And his, and his really, my, my, and his busty, like, like, pigeon madams. <laughs> yeah. His harem. <laughs> yeah, his, his busty harem. Yeah. <laughs> the whole movie made me miss living in New York City. <laughs> yeah it really it really casts it in the in the light that it deserves or certain segments of it deserve to be cast in and it captures all of like the politics as well of it there's like the irish like the irish rat characters that was really that. offensive that was yeah, really I'll bet. offensive i i felt like i should warn you yeah i, I was not say. happy about that <laughs> i thought gangs of new york did a much better job while i was watching He's... it i was like wow this movie really like this this movie walked so gangs of new york could i don't know <laughs> trot or something whatever that movie did i do think of the kind of four defining films of the early blues era american tale is the most for kids Mm. like by a long shot yeah even yeah. though and like but even definitely though it's when still the village about... <laughs> gets burned at the beginning that's definitely for children yeah no yeah, it's yeah. for children yeah mm-hmm. they've got to learn that's young correct. yeah well it, it's saying something that the film that depicts uh you know a pogrom is the the most for children yeah 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 that's so, true yeah, yeah it's definitely the most like maybe not the most easy i mean way before time just by virtue of it being the shortest one like it's definitely like the easiest to understand but i feel like 
Five will go, or sorry, um, an American tale, like to some degree, like has the most, like, I don't know, red meat for their, for if the I were ones. like trying to trick a child into liking Don Bluth, I would, I would start with American tale mm. and then ease them into the dark stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be my sixth strat into yeah. <laughs> converting a child. <laughs> I don't have kids. My dog watched the, watched the Don Bluth with me recently, so I'm on my way. I there will you convert go. her. Yes. We watched All Dogs Go to Heaven, and I pointed at the screen, and I went, you see? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what you have to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my invisible friend and I, we watched The Long Goodbye, the famous Robert Altman movie in 1973. <laughs> and um, no, I'm just kidding. And by um, his imaginary friend, he means he assigned me to watch it uh, for the episode <laughs> on, his, for, on his birthday. Um uh, oh, this while we're on American Tale, I have to get to my other favorite Don Bluth uh, pun, which is the scene in which Fievel and Tiger voiced the, the cat who starts by wanting the to... The vegetarian cat. The vegetarian cat, who, yeah, who at first we think is a threat, and then we discover is... Um, uh, is actually his yeah it is Don Bellouise <laughs> and his Fievel's friend. And the reason why he's his friend is because they bond over their mutual love of butterflies, ice cream... And most notably, for someone of my predilections, a book called <laughs> The Brothers Karamausoff. Again, which is, a pun for children, right? Yes, uh, yeah, you know, kids fucking love Dostoevsky. <laughs> the five girls watching are like, mm, They love Dostoevsky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to like pause it and I was like, that was like a, a spit take kind of situation where I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, Amazing. truly, yeah, truly a director, a director for us all. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but I, 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 I oh, uh, here's another thing. And well, I guess this will bring us into, um, the land before time, but Pat, what is the thing that unites the subject of last week's episode or the topic of last week's episode and this week's episode? And while you're thinking about that, I'll tell, I'll tell Meg that our, our last episode was about Titanic. Let's see if Meg Oh, I know the it. answer. I believe maybe. Meg knows the it's answer. It's possible. Pat. But but also, uh, well, it's not Billy Zane. It's not Billy <laughs> Zane. If only, if only, put Billy Zane in Land Before Time. I I hear he was actually the voice of Spike, and they had to take him out. Okay, I was Spac- correct. I just I just checked talk. my math. I'm I'm right. I'm a big brain genius. You are, Pat. Do you? It's do James you give Horner, up? baby. James Horner, who did the music for both An American Tale and The wow. Land Before Time. Yeah, and The Land Before Time, inarguably his best work. Like that yeah. is. That is like, put it on a gold plate, shoot her into space. That's as good as it's going to get. That's true. I would say a potential rival, though, is his soundtrack for, it's the third time I've mentioned it, Fievel Goes West. Like, if you want, like, a perfect distillation of, like, Western music, like, I don't care about all those motherfuckers who were, you know, making movies in the 50s and 60s and the spaghetti Westerns. Give me, give me Fievel Goes West. Do you hear that? that Ennio Morricone, you... Art yeah. Rest in Power, King. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, have you listened to the soundtrack for, uh, is it called A Thousand Ways to Die in the West, the Seth MacFarlane movie? I haven't, I haven't. That soundtrack is incredible. Is it? And it, It's a, yes, I'm not. First time not that movie bit. has been mentioned on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> it is. Oh, thank God I got to break that down. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big band Western musical, uh, okay. musical score. It's, it's incredible. I'm, I don't know. Not a bit. No, True I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. In my band, in my in my uh, in my high school band, uh, or no, sorry, my high school like concert band class, um, we performed uh, the uh, 
the Wild Bunch uh, Hell yeah. uh, theme song. That was, yeah, yeah. That gave me a deep appreciation for Western soundtracks. Uh, much which is like why Sam, I have... Go ahead, Pat, go ahead. I was going to say, much like Sam Peckinpah, you showed up to every rehearsal drunk out of your ass. Yes, uh, I did. Yeah. Firing yeah. guns into the... Well, definitely there were guns. Yes, yeah, yeah. In New Hampshire, there absolutely were. Yes. Um, well, then let's uh, let's round it out with another movie that James Horner wrote the soundtrack to, as Meg has mentioned as being his crowning achievement. Um the land before time so i cried (laughs) i cried several times watching it um i did not think that i was going to like i had recently ish maybe in anticipation of this episode to confirm that i actually wanted to do this episode i I watched a couple clips from it and i didn't cry during those and i thought that like oh going into i was like i'll I'll be i'll be good but no i i cried a lot and often over the course of its hour long running time Wait, what'd you say? Do you remember what made you cry? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, a fun question to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, for this podcast, this is it's it's truly part and parcel. Um, yes, right. I mean, obviously, Littlefoot's mother's death, right? That's very very sad. Um, her saying like, "Follow your heart, and it'll take you to the Great Valley." But more than anything, is and and I actually. I had read your article like a little while ago, but I, I knew that I wanted to wait until after watching all these movies to like re- to re reread it. And um, you talk about it and you you very acutely like, you know, pinpoint it as like the emotional center of the movie. But it's um, it's the conversation with Reuter. I mean, yes, that where he's like crying and, you know, this like random dinosaur that he bumps into tells him like, yeah, you're gonna miss her, and you're gonna miss her for a long time, and like that's okay. Yeah, and Littlefoot just, like, like runs into this grumpy dino, and he's like angry at first, and yeah. then as soon as he catches on that like he's lost someone, he just switches it off. He tenders and up, yeah. gives him like real life advice. And what's so sad is Littlefoot blames his mom. Like he's going through it, so he's like, it's her fault that she's dead, like a kid would. Hmm. And then like. It's not a Disney film. So it literally the film is like, and then he was depressed for a while. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Which is like uh, incredible to to show that to kids, to be like, look, like it's not it's not going to be like the Bambi's mom death where we cut to springtime with birds singing. Like it, this will <laughs> right. hurt forever. Right. And it's it's going to be your job to to navigate that. And yeah, Ruder, I believe that actor also is the narrator of the film. Yes, yeah. And, and it's just like, that scene is so perfect. Like yeah. that is that is one of the reasons this is a an I would say perfect film. Is like that is that that would be my my pick for this scene or for the if this film was up for an Academy Award, I'd be like that's <laughs> that's the scene. Yeah. The well, scene and I'm thing. glad I'm glad you said what you said because yes, the the thing that really got me was what I said earlier about like oh she'll be with you forever, but it's when he says it's all her fault, and he says it's nobody's fault. Like just yeah. just like. I don't know, communicating that like thought that you always have to keep in your mind, like at this, you know, whenever you're going through any sort of grieving process is just being like, it's no, it's no one's fault. Like there's no sense Mm. to be made out of all of this. It just, it just is. Which is the close that Bluth gets to nihilism. Like his, his kind of philosophy around tragedy is that it's a part of life in the same way that in his films, you know, the golden sparkly conclusions are as important as the grief and that they get to coexist and be as important and take up as much time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's such a tricky lesson to teach kids. And I think it's done so 
economically and and it rings true to the degree that you know whatever an adult can watch it and be like that's still true enough that i'm going to cry now thank you yeah. very much <laughs> like yeah no it, yeah it, there's nothing else like it baby yeah gotta love it that is mm. true Pat, you had things to say about the color palette of The Land Before Time, which also goes to what Meg wrote about in her piece. So I'm a composition guy. Mm. Everyone knows. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's not true. What? <laughs> what? That everyone knows? No. Oh, I thought you said everyone is. Oh, no, no, no. No, very so notably not everyone is. I got no, no, so no. defensive no, no, no. about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I was saying everyone who knows you knows that's your that's Yeah, your, I'm that's a composition guy. And there's something about those like orange skies mm-hmm. yeah. and that sense of dread and that sense of like, I don't know, maybe, you know, when I was a kid, I'm thinking about this time I was young, little, mm-hmm. young, little, I just put those synonyms next <laughs> yeah. to each other. In case you didn't um, know what a kid is. <laughs> I was young, but I was enormous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was jacked. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I remember the sky. I I remember so many moments in my young life. But I remember the sky most of all. Mm-hmm. And I remember the sign, the sky as a sign of like bad things that were going to happen. Sure, sure. And I and I think this is true also in the secret of nim especially i'm thinking about the beginning the orange Mm. hue yeah across the sky and i'm thinking about in my own life like when i was young and my parents tricked me into going up to the top of this ten thousand foot mountain in the rocky mountains and then i had to ski all the way down Mm. and a great trick (laughs) trick it worked um (laughs) it broke me um (laughs) Yeah, and I just remember, like, I don't know, like that uneasiness that you feel as a kid, but it's more supernatural, right? Yeah. Like, now, at least I try to look at the world less emotionally. <laughs> to varying degrees of success. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah, I thought about that a lot. And also, yeah. it's like, you know, movies today, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. You know how it's always like movies yeah. today, they don't yeah, have yeah, this, yeah. they don't have that. Da, 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 da. And some of those criticisms are right, but there's no sheen today. Mm. Or there's the wrong kind of sheen, maybe. Well, I'm going to take, I'm going to steal sheen from a podcast, a podcaster, but like he doesn't use it correctly. Okay. Um, <laughs> But like, these are like, renaissance paintings they're like surrealist mm. and renaissance paintings yeah. at the, the same art time. in this in, it really can't be stated enough. there's the nothing art in these movies like this beautiful. in mi- in minions right no. there's nothing <laughs> like this in minions and no. it's just sad that like no one tries or at least no like major studios or like the yes, types of yes, things yes, that yes, there's yes, like lots yes. of beautiful animation but not the kind of thing that like yeah. every child is going to be exposed to yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah you know yeah. in the way that you know yeah, I would hold up just to to offer a glimmering slice of optimism. No, please, think... <laughs> no, <laughs> sure. not the podcast. Like for I, it. I think Leica is is arguably kind of yes. keeping the torch alight in terms of like 
I don't even know what Trying. that is. We, we talk, so they're, they're, they're Kubo, the Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, Kubo oh, and the Two oh, Strings, oh, oh. Paranorman, yeah. uh, ETC. Um, uh, where they, I, I, I like to think that they try really hard to uh, balance uh, time-intensive artistry with storytelling. Yeah. And, in, and incorporating darker things into children's animation, quote-unquote. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So... Torch definitely small. Torch definitely not making money like it used to. Did it ever make money? Question mark. Right, um, right. But uh, but Torch still going. Yeah, so no, fun. it's true, and that's yeah, and that's that's what I also meant in the terms of like it's 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 happening. It's just what's so cool about these movies is that it was happening like in you know movies that like an American Tale made tons of money when it first came out, and I think like beat out like whatever the Disney like rival was at the time and Land Before Time. I don't think made it quite as much, but you know to the point where like we grew up with them and like they were you know they were they were finding their way into our very sad sad eyes um so we can only hope yeah. that it's that these movies that the like movies and all that kind of stuff are, are tormenting children in the same ways that we were tor- tormented by these movies can only hope yeah yeah, yeah, no, it's it's there's something so apocalyptic about the land before time that unfortunately is like becoming <laughs> more and more relevant. Yeah. Like um last year during wildfire season, sky was completely orange here mm. and the sun was red and I was like that is what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the land before time. Yeah. Like <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like ash falling from the sky like that happens I know now. what that <laughs> I know what that's like. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like hmm there is there is like a, a sort of like undercurrent of melancholy and just like them talking in the movie because so much of it is about like we need to get to the great valley like at the beginning of the movie they establish that littlefoot is like the only remaining long neck like in their herd so there's like a sense of like oh he needs to make it to the great valley so he can like continue on their lineage and that's like a big part of the movie and like they when they get to the great valley they're like oh like their children you know, lived with their grandchildren and yada, yada, yada. And there's just that, you know, that knowledge that, oh, their species is going to be like, you know, crushed into a million pieces by a giant meteor um, at some point or by the flood, as as I prefer to tell it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's there is just like a sense of like, I don't know, an ominous sort of sense to the movie as well. Yes, and yes, I would agree. Maybe we'll, we'll 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 end with this, but Pat and I guess Meg as well. But did you see any of the sequels to The Land Before Time? Yeah, I think I saw you know one. I, I I have. I've retained zero information. That's for the best. Um, That's for the best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also Nim has sequels that I also haven't retained any information from. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I Bible think Goes West only sequel that my brain has retained. Yeah. Look, she said it, not me. It's not. It's not my. It's not, <laughs> I'm not the only one beating that drum. But yeah, I mean, it's like I. I. This is not a hot take, but like the, the, quality dip between like the first Land Before Time and like the second Land Before Time and the like ensuing sequels is probably like one of the most precipitous like in the history of like at least animated. Um, oh, lest we forget all of the DTV Disney movies. <laughs> that's true, but at least like with like Live for Time, like they decided to make the musicals, so like that sucked, and the and the music sucked as well. Like the animation is really bad. There's like no melancholy Look, it, to be found have, in any of those movies. You have to command commend them for committing to the bit. I think there's like that's true. <laughs> Fifteen of them. There are, yeah, yeah. And my 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 little brother watched 
all of them. Those were the ones that were on like all the time, like in my in like my nah, latter half uh, of my not childhood. To, not to be an old fart, but kids these days need to learn the value of finding one VHS yes. and just repeating it over yeah, and over yeah. and over again. You don't need sequels. And everyone, no, just everyone watch the same would movie do every, over and over again. <laughs> everyone would do well to internalize that that you don't need yeah. sequels. Let things be. Mm-hmm. That's all you 13. Need. Unless it's Return of Jafar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the right. The only good Disney DVD. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. Um, great. Well, this was awesome. So we would, I mean, I should have said this at the top, but I very much encourage um, everyone to read um, Meg's uh, piece, which is uh, linked in the in the show notes um, and is really remarkable. Some of these things we've touched on like in the course of our conversation, but it is all like put really, really wonderfully um, in in uh, the piece itself. So definitely read through it. And if it doesn't make you want to watch these movies all over again and be scarred all over again, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what will. At the very Um, least, I, at the very least, I think it's always a good experiment as an adult to seek out your worn out VHS content that mm. you enjoyed as a kid. Cause it, it actually like unearths memories and yes. makes connections. So like, even if you don't have a great time, you can finally like feel like you've, regained part of your brain <laughs> yes yeah like i rewatched we're back recently and i was like oh my ah! god wow <laughs> another like, <laughs> another weird ass dinosaur movie featuring yeah, sure the, the voice talents of john goodman jay leno yeah. uh-huh. what more could you want <laughs> wow I for- another that's another spielberg uh another spielberg joint isn't it look that man uh, he our, loves our dinosaurs. collapsed <laughs> venn diagram is dinosaurs <laughs> yeah yeah truly <laughs> Um, Pat, yeah, you were I, say I something? think rewatching your your kids' content. Yeah, I had a I had a <laughs> yeah. specific question. Oh, okay. Because we have a film writer on the yes. podcast. Yes. Uh oh. And it's it's good to be timely. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what my Irish grandmother used to say. <laughs> um, she didn't say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it gives it more heft if you say that she did. Meg, what's up? What are you most excited for? After like in can oh huh um titan probably like the new uh yes the raw follow-up yes um yeah i think oh <laughs> benedetta baby <laughs> oh forget? there we go yeah you're truly <laughs> yeah, no, speaking I... pat just dabbed don't worry he just dabbed uh, at the at the mention appropriate. of uh, no 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 I, I mean uh look Look, Paul Verhoeven. Um, uh, is is he a saint? No. Uh, is he um, making the good movies? Hell yeah! I just activated my Siri when I said that. She knows. Siri is like, hello. She knows you mean business. Um, yeah, no. I mean, like, uh, I I am a um, I I love nun exploitation. It is it is one of my favorite things. Mm. Uh, I am the worst nun on Twitter. That is my handle. I like the only thing compelling even a fiber of my being to watch space jam is that i've been told that one of the nuns from the devils is in there it's not sister john because she doesn't have a hump but it is it is a nun from <laughs> ken russell's film the devils sure so uh so of course benedetta is on my radar i've been waiting for a long time uh, mr verhoeven broke his hip uh when he was supposed to take it to con so it's been sitting on a shelf and I would like to see the horny lesbian nun movie, please. Yeah. Admission for one. <laughs> <laughs> Admission for three. I should three, also say I this is say. not con related, um, but today they released the character posters for Dune. And yeah. here's the thing. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on the record <laughs> for like fifth time. I <laughs> I don't care if Dune's bad. I don't care if Dune's good. The fact that Dune exists yeah. is a win. <laughs> like, sure. Like, and they're releasing character if, posters. If, if for Roger it. Deakins ain't involved, I ain't seeing it. <laughs> okay, but Pat, listen. If it's like... if it's Denny Villeneuve, Villeneuve, and Roger Villeneuve, please Villeneuve, and and Raj, I'm fucking there. If Raj ain't involved, because he's doing God's work podcasting now, respect, King. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't want to see it. Look, he'll, look, look, look. he'll see it, folks. He'll see it. Like, <laughs> so, so, he so talks are, a big game. He'll see it. The big complaint is that Villanueva is making it look boring. To which I say, that's really funny. I yeah. like if if you have any familiarity with Hunk Bunk's Dunk, like Frank Herbert's Dune, like mm-hmm. you need to understand that the the project of making that series dull is going to be very funny if any future films happen. Right, right. Um, and I'm here for it. Um, I'm also uh, we stand Stellan Skarsgård, and we finally got a a peek at that latex suit, so mm-hmm. that's exciting. Mm. He looks but, as good as ever. Yeah, has he ever looked bad? No, but but um. <laughs> Uh, the thesis is the fact that they're trying to make Dune normal and boring and mainstream is very funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so even if it's a failure, I think that is a good bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm here for it. Yeah. It truly makes it like, if, if it is a failure, then it makes it the cursed uh, franchise that, you know, that it deserves to be. That it, that it has been forever. Yeah. Like yeah. nothing will have changed. Exactly. But I also just like, if you haven't seen Star Wars, you probably know what the Force is. I encourage anyone with zero familiarity with the Dune universe to just open to Google Dune glossary and see mm. if you know what any words are. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, which which will contextualize why I think it's so funny that Denis is trying to make boring Batman Dune. <laughs> <laughs> like, how? Yeah. How are you going to do it? Truly, his so, cross. Anyway, there. that's that's my Dune soapbox. No, that's that, great. Uh, I can't lose. Yeah. <laughs> We get a we get a, a little a little little can preview and a little uh, beyond beyond can preview. Well, thank I you think, guys for I think asking. Is coming to <laughs> I'm okay. most excited um, for. Uh, hmm, I should be rude with this answer. Oh boy, do it. <laughs> Freddie Gibbs's acting debut. What is Down he with in? The King. He's starring in a movie. The movie is about him, not about him, but he's like plays a rapper. Who is it? Why? What's the movie? It's called Down with the King. Oh, I, I've heard nothing about this movie. I've heard nothing about it at all. I mean, I'm here for it. Is it, was it, did Pat's people... just nodding. Yeah, <laughs> maniacally. Did people like it? Was What was the reception? Do you know? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I'm going to see it. Sure. Obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is Pat's Dune. <laughs> this yeah, is my yeah. Dune. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm excited for the French Dispatch, yada, 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 yada. But I'm here for Red Rocket. Yeah, we're we here love for Red Rock. The Return of Sean Baker, and uh, I don't know where you stand on this, Meg. I know where Pat stands on it, but I'm here for the souvenir part too. Let them, let them have it. Let, let them, have let them it. like, like, sure. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll take that as a W. I, I, I am not a like foam finger for the souvenir kind of lady. Sure, but, sure, same. But <laughs> if it floats your boat, go for it. All right, okay, I'll take it. 
I'll take it. Well, on that note, um, uh, Meg, where can people find uh, you on the internet and your writing? You mentioned your Twitter. Uh, what is it? The worst? <laughs> the worst nun? Yeah. So I'm at, I'm on Twitter at the worst nun, uh, mostly tweeting about Dune. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and uh, you can find my most of my writing on Film School Rejects. Awesome. Great. We will link both of those uh, in the show notes. Um, Sounds good. Uh, as for me, check out check out uh the 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 commercial the commercial podcast rehab um at pat and john on their best behavior i am incredibly proud of our writer and director mr patrick stanny um it looks incredible um the script is really funny um it's great i could not be happier with how it turned out and i know we made some jokes earlier about about the the slight delay but the delay was 100 percent worth it because uh because it, uh, it's everything that we hoped it would be, and it was well worth the amount of sweating we did in the in the hot, torrid Pittsburgh sun. So, check it out. Um, yeah, you guys can see me at uh, at Paul Verhoeven on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. And uh, no, 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 yeah. no, but um, I uh, I'm stealing that bit. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, he's committing um, elder abuse and has control over his uh, <laughs> over his phone. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to take a moment to commend my my good friend John LeMay here who came to I said this but I'm going to say it again. He came to set prepared. He had his own take on the lines and we didn't have to Kubrick him with the takes. That's true. Yeah, which good because that involves some pretty pretty terrible stuff. Uh so I I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad that I was spared from that. Um yeah, no good good stuff all around. And as ever, if you are enjoying the podcast, leave a rating review. You, you you know the spiel. Um, Meg, thank you so much for joining us. This was so yeah, thank you so awesome. This was dope. It's always, always a blast. It's always nice to it's always nice to have a, a fellow writer of writer of words and someone who actually can articulate <laughs> things about movies uh, in in like full sentences. Uh, unlike oh, that unlike is very me. generous. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> at the very least, you do that. So yeah. So take that for what it's worth. Um, awesome. Well, thank you, Meg, and thank you to everyone for listening. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.